Welcome back to another episode of Momsly Podcast. This is a safe space to have candid convos about the good, the bad, and the unexpected of motherhood, life, and relationships. I'm your host, Naimiki. So I know I've been a little inconsistent with like releasing episodes, but I'm just like super overwhelmed. Like I feel like I need an assistant to like help me get my life together because it's like I just can't get it together. Like I have so much going on and it's just me like trying to manage everything. And it's a lot. It's a whole lot. But I'm trying my hardest. And then I feel like another one of my issues that I'm struggling with is actually trying to find like quiet time to Um, record the podcast. I mean, I live in a house with three kids and my life revolves around their schedule. And like these last few weeks, like after I put, usually I would record like after I put the kids to bed, but like these last few weeks, I've been so exhausted. Like outside is like getting nicer. So like we've been having more things to do on the weekends in terms of like family events and all this stuff. So like your girl is tired. So like trying to record this podcast is like at the bottom of my to-do list when I'm done doing like everything that I need to do around the house. Like it's just a lot. So I figured like I'd rather the episodes come out late than for me to not release them at all. But just understand that I'm trying my best to be consistent and release these episodes every week. Um, I'm considering changing like the days that I release the episodes from Wednesday because I feel like Wednesday just comes around a little bit too quick for me. And yeah, like, by, yeah, it's just too much for me to try to do everything by Wednesday. But we'll see. Um I'm not sure what day I'm going to try to stick to to get these episodes out, but I will at least try to get them out on a weekly basis. So anyways, let me just tell y'all a quick little story. So the other day we were in the grocery store shopping and my oldest son was sitting in the cart and he looks at me and he goes, mommy, what day is it today? And I said, it's Saturday. Why? I was like, you have somewhere to be? He was like, no, I was just wondering. He was like, how? He's like, so what day is it tomorrow? I was like, tomorrow's Sunday. Like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? And he was like, okay, so I don't have school today and I don't have school tomorrow, right? I said, yeah, it's the weekend. You get Saturday and Sunday off every week, no matter what. And I was like, but then you have school Monday through Friday. So you get two days off and then you have school for five days. And he looks at me, he was like, what? Like, why would I only get two days off? And I was like, that's just how it works. Like, that's just how the world works. And he was like, well, you know what? He was like, I quit school. And I started cracking up because I have never felt more seen in my life. I was like, this kid is only five years old and he already understands that like something ain't right here. Like I'm not understanding why I got to go to school for five days a week and only get to recover for two days. And this kid, like every Sunday night is like a struggle trying to get him to bed because he's just like, this is ghetto. Like this ain't for me. Like why should I have to only get two days off and then I have to go to school for five days? And son, I understand you completely because I've been trying to figure out the same thing for like the last few years. Like, why do I have to go to work for five days a week and only get two guaranteed days off every week? And I have to fight for some vacation time. Like, it's just ghetto. And I hate to break it to him, but this is just the beginning. Like, you got at least another 60 years of having to, you know, work for five days and be off for two days. Hopefully he's smarter than me. He figures out a way to like work on his own schedule and still be, you know, have a some sort of income coming in. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um so anyways, I was watching this show called um 
it was called Love and Marriage DC. It had just released like last weekend or something. And the only reason why I decided to watch it was because my homegirl Monique Samuels from um, Real Housewives of Potomac was on there. And I was like a stand for Monique when she was on Housewives. And I was so mad when she left. Like I boycotted. I did not watch that season until like way after it aired because I was like, if my girl isn't on there, then I don't want to watch it. So anyway, she's on this new show called Love and Marriage DC, but that's not what I really want to talk about. So I fell asleep watching the show because I decided to watch it after I put the kids to bed. And when I woke up, there was this other show playing and it was called Marry Me. I think it's called it's called Marry Me Now. So the concept of the show is that there's like this lady, I forgot her name. I think it's Rebecca. She's a life coach and she's on the show and she helps these women these women ask her to, how does it work? So she's a life coach and she goes to these women and these women pretty much want to propose to their significant other. So from what I gather, most of the episodes, um, the majority of the couples were black or at least one of them was black. And these women would have three days to plan this proposal. And if their significant other says yes, then they would get married on the spot. Now, I think me and Chriselle did an episode, like I think it was like episode 13 or something like that. And we spoke about like why it's weird for like women to be proposing to their significant others or whatever, like specifically, like if it's a um a man, like how it's weird. Like if it's two women, like obviously one of y'all needs to propose if marriage is on the table. But if it's like a man and a woman, like it's just weird to me. Like I don't think I would ever have the balls to do it and then to do it on national TV. So anyways, they have three days to plan this wedding. If their significant other says yes, then they get married right then and there on the spot. But here's the thing. So like they'll tell their significant others, like, we're on a show about home improvement or we're on a show for whatever lie they have to come up with so that their significant other would not be suspicious of, like, the cameras and stuff. So they come to meet their significant other, like, the on the third day, and they're already dressed in, like, their wedding dress, hair and makeup is done, and they'll ask them, like, hey, do you want to marry? And then if they say yes, they, like, shoot off all the family members and stuff are there, and they have their ceremony and stuff. It I was some of like if you guys haven't seen it yet, I think it just came out this year. It's on the own network, the Oprah Winfrey network. Go check it out. Like and let me know what y'all opinion is on the show. Some of the couples were like so cringe. Like I just knew like they weren't gonna get married. And like some of them, it was like, girl, why are you even asking? Like, you know this man is not gonna want to marry you. Like you just embarrassing yourself. There was one couple, it was an Asian girl and a black guy, and she asked him to marry him. They had never spoke about marriage. Um They'd been together for like seven plus years. Like she went to his family, told his family how she felt. And his family was like, yeah, you guys have been together so long. Like it's it's like at this point, it's just like, what are you guys waiting for? And of course, he she asked them to marry her. Spoiler alert. If you want to watch the show, I'm about to tell you what happens in this episode. So she asked him to marry her and he says yes. But like his face, you could tell like that's not really what he wanted to do. So like he goes, he gets stressed. She's already, she's waiting to like walk out and all this stuff. He comes and meets her in the back room. He's like, this is not how I want to get married. Like I wanted to be the one to ask you. And he pretty much goes in front of like all their family members and friends and tells them like, yeah, this wedding isn't happening. And then like they do like the little update and they're like how she took a job in like a different city and they're in like couples therapy and all this stuff. But it was like, you knew people like one of her friends told her like, 
if he says no, it's not going to be because he doesn't want to marry you. It's going to be because he's so traditional that he wants to be the one to do it. And that seemed to be the excuse for a lot of the men on the show. But my thing is, if you know you want to marry this woman, what are you waiting for? Like some of them were together for, they have kids together. Like, it was like, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for her to get on TV and embarrass you. And now you decide that you want to marry her. But anyways, I thought it was a good show. And I think you guys should go check it out. Anywho's moving on. So on this week's segment of Shame on You, I would like to talk about the 18-year-old white male by the name of Peyton Gendron, who um went to the top supermarket in Buffalo, New York, and decided to shoot 13 people. So it says that he was dressed in military gear. He drove into a Topps parking lot, Topps is a grocery store, at around 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and began live streaming his rampage via a camera on his helmet. So maybe like a GoPro kind of situation. He proceeded to open fire on 13 people, 11 of who were black. Um, authorities are saying that this was a racially motivated attack in what is predominantly a black neighborhood. Um, yeah, it's in a predominantly black neighborhood and I feel like what upsets me the most about this story is the fact that when he was taken into custody, he was taken into custody. The fact that he was taken into custody, number one, and number two, the fact that he was still alive after he just took all these people's lives. Like it was just sick. I guess I heard that he tried to like turn the gun on himself and they kind of like talked him out of doing that. And I'm like, what y'all talking? Like if he wanted to kill himself, let him kill himself. Like what purpose is he serving here on this earth? Like he's one more person that is out here spreading hate and literally killing people because of the color of their skin, because he feels like black people don't belong here and we're, and we're taking over. I'm like, if you feel like there's too many black people here, then go back to Europe. You guys are always trying to send us back to Africa, then go back to Europe. There's plenty of white people there. Like, you'll fit right in. Um, Another thing that I really don't understand is the legal system in this country. Like, it's that they go off the basis of you're innocent until proven guilty and you have to be proven guilty without a reasonable doubt so if there's even an ounce of doubt that you did this crime then you could be found not guilty that you didn't do this crime you could be found not guilty but i'm like what is there to decide like this guy live streamed the whole thing and that's pretty much all the evidence evidence that you need like what more do you need like he shouldn't even have a trial why are we wasting taxpayer dollars to even put him to even have a trial. He doesn't deserve a trial. He doesn't deserve no any fair treatment because he did this. He planned it out. He recorded it. All the evidence is there. What more do we need? Why do we need to go have him stand in front of a judge and plead not guilty as he did? It says that shortly after Mr. Gendron was captured, a manifesto believed to have been posted online by the gunman emerged. Riddled with racist, anti-immigrant views that claimed white Americans were at risk of being replaced by people of color. In the video that appeared to have been captured by the camera affixed to his helmet, an anti-black racial slur can be seen on the barrel of his weapon. 
Um, his family is now trying to say that COVID-19 played a part in this. I guess they're trying to say because of the lockdown and all this stuff, like it took a toll on his mental health and blah, blah, blah. As far as I'm concerned, we've all been affected mentally by the last two years of being stuck in the house or just being anxious and not knowing if you catch this COVID-19 virus, if you were going to be dead or if your relatives were going to die from it. Like we all were going through it, but you don't see the rest of us out here shooting up grocery stores or coming up with all this racial stuff to go and do it. And I feel like part of the reason is our former president, Trump, is the reason why these people feel so bold to go out in public and do things like this. Um, in one of the articles that I read, it said that there's been a rise of like racial um, racial violence since 2020. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder why. Anyway, so that had me thinking about like what I wanted to talk about this week. And I'm like, I feel like I wanted to cover talking to your kids about bias, prejudice, racism, race, like all those things, because it's a topic that I feel like a lot of us like tiptoe around, especially when it comes to children. Like we don't really know how to approach the subject. And one of the things, so I just want to go over like a few things that can help in a way, I guess, to cover, to like approach these conversations with your children, or at least approach your mindset of how to have these conversations with your kids. And of course, you'll have to adjust based on like how old your kids are and like how they're able to comprehend and understand like what's going on around them and all these things. So the first thing is that that I wanted to bring up is that hate is learned and it's something that can be unlearned. It says that experts on child development argue that the problem begins as early as preschool where children have already learned stereotypes or acquired negative attitudes towards others in quotations. To counter these behaviors is important to start at an early age. I've always said this. I've always said that hate is not, we're not born with hate in our heart. I feel like it's something that is learned based on our environment, based on all these things around us, our parents, our family, things we may read in books, like all those things. I feel like it's something that's learned. It's not something that we're, nobody's born to just hate for no reason. Um, it says that children, another point is that children are not colorblind. Children are very aware, aware of our different shades. Children need simple, truthful explanations of these differences. So I feel like it's kind of, I hate when people say, oh, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. Like, how is that possible? If you're colorblind, then you're part of the problem because you're not acknowledging the fact that we're all different, right? And if nobody else is going to state the elephant in the room, if there's one thing kids going to do is they're going to be kids and they're going to state the obvious thing be like, well, mommy, why is she so such and such? Or why is he such and such? Like kid, And that's when you know how they say kids say the darnest things because kids will literally say what everybody's thinking, but don't necessarily want to say out loud. And I guess that's the amazing part about being a kid is the innocence of being a kid is like, they're going to point out all the things that adults may not feel comfortable saying out loud. And I guess in a way we just have to figure out how to address it so that kids can know like, it's okay that that person may be darker than you, lighter than you or whatever the case, but you explain why these differences are important. So moving on to my next point. So talking about differences does not increase prejudice in children. 
being aware of differences is not the same as avoiding, ridiculing, or fearing specific differences. Awareness doesn't lead to negative attitudes. Children learn that from adults in their lives, media, books, and peers. Parents and adult family members need to talk to their kids to give them accurate information and to reinforce when their behaviors indicate a value of differences as opposed to a a prejudice. So like I said, it's okay to tell your children like they're different because of this reason, but you don't want to hate somebody, teach them to hate somebody because of what makes them different from you. Like a lot of times people may they talk a lot about similarities because in a way I guess they think they're doing that to like try to bring us like see like oh we're all in a way equal let's talk about all the ways that makes us human or whatever the case is but it's like while we want to talk to our children to understand the things that bind us as being humans is equally important that they understand that shared characteristics language and customs are expressed in different ways while we continuously tell our children see they do that just like us we may be implying that similarities are the only things that make those people, in quotations, acceptable. So I hear a lot of times, like even out in public, I'll hear people telling their kids, see, that they do that just like us. But it's also important that you understand that just because somebody may do something differently from you or they may um, look differently than you, that doesn't mean that they're less acceptable. Like you we have we as adults need to do a better job of teaching our children how to ex- accept someone even through their differences um and that brings me to my next point that teaching children begins by taking a look at ourselves and that's very important because sometimes i know many adults in my life who go off on tangents about people of different races or whatever the case is And it's like, at the end of the day, I don't want to raise my children to hate people based solely off of the color of their skin. And I sometimes I would catch myself like saying certain things around the kids. And I'm like, damn, I shouldn't say that because they're they're like sponges. They absorb everything that you say that you do. Like, you could tell your children to do one thing, but they're not going to do what you tell them. They're going to do as you do regardless of how much you want to preach at them that they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't do that. If they see you doing something or they see you or they hear you saying something, then they're going to think that what you're doing and saying is okay. So it's like, now I have to like make like a conscious effort to be careful of what I say, especially about things that may happen on the news in terms of like, you know, racial violence or whatever the case is. Like I always have to be careful of what I say and how I say it because children are always listening. And my fiance at one point had to bring that to my attention because he comes from a family, he's he's half white and half black. And he was like, he basically like had to break it down for me. Like you have to be careful what you say because at the end of the day, my parent, my kids, they have half, a quarter of their family is white. And I don't want them to look at their grandparents or their great-grandparents and be like, oh, man, or to hate them solely because of, like, the things that they see on the news or the TV that other white people might be doing or saying. Um, I feel like it's a real real touchy subject that you're, like, teetering on because you don't want to, like, I don't know how I'm trying to say this, but it's like, I don't want my kids to look at that side of their family as villains the same way that 
But at the same time, I want them to be aware of all the things that are happening in the world. But it's like how it's hard. I feel like we should. it's hard to have these conversations with your kids because in a way, having these conversations, I feel like kind of takes away their innocence and it kind of sucks. But it's conversations that need to be had. But I guess it all comes down to teaching your kids to really judge people based on who they are as people in terms of like their who, who uh, like their characters, their characteristics, their values on life, instead of judging people based on how they look. Because we all have imperfections, whether inside or outside, whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, it's important to teach our children to judge people based off who they are on the inside, not necessarily what they look like on the in- out on the outside. Um, so when it comes to talking about race and racism, I feel like it's very important to have that conversation because it teaches our children that it's okay to respect and appreciate the differences between people. It helps to build empathy and compassion for others um, because then it gives kids the, the ability to see when things in the world seem unfair or unjust. Um, there's no right way to talk to your kids about race or race, racism. I feel like each family has to um, figure out how that conversation would work for them. Because at the end of the day, you have to figure out for each family, the conversation is going to be different depending on your race, your nationality what personal experiences you have with racism, like those are all variables that that come into play when you have these discussions with your kids. Because a white family trying to inform their fam trying to inform their children about race and racism, the conversation is not gonna look the same as a black family trying to inform their kids about race and racism. The conversation is not gonna look the same for a Mexican family. The conversation is not gonna look the same for you know, an African family, like people who are directly from Africa, not African-Americans, like all these conversations are going to look different based on the different variables of who your family is and what they are. So first you want to get the facts. So you want to learn about the issues and that way you'll be able to better, like, you know, report them back to your children, whether that's reading books listening to podcasts, which is like one of the ways that I get a lot of my information. I love listening to all different types of podcasts, especially like crime podcasts. Um, I was listening to a podcast a few years ago about a guy who was wrongfully convicted and spent the majority of his life in prison. Like, And I learned so much from that podcast. The name is like escaped me right now, but I feel like it's a very valuable way to get information. Um you want to clarify your family's values. Use words, use your words, your example, and your actions to show your children what you believe in. So like I said before, you don't want to say one thing, but then you're acting a different way. Um, you want to speak in simple terms. You don't want to overwhelm your kids. You don't want to, you know, confuse them. Based on your children's ages, you know your kids better than anybody. So you have to know how to speak to them in a way that they will understand and comprehend what's going on. So like I said before, you want to be age appropriate. You want to ask questions, lots of them. 
So like if you're watching a TV show, you can ask them like, what do you think about what you saw on the TV? Um, what are your friends talking about? What have you heard about this, that, and the third that's happening? Like, you want to ask as many questions. Therefore, you can get a feel for like what your kids are thinking, what they're feeling about certain situations, because we're not asking these questions and our kids might have a lot of emotions about things that they may hear on TV or they might hear on the radio or whatever, or hear from their friends at school or teachers talking at school or people in public. So it's like, if we're not asking these questions, then we don't know what our kids are thinking. And therefore we can't help them process all the emotions or questions or whatever that they may have. So it doesn't even have to be about race or racism, just anything in general, like ask questions and lots of them. That's the only way that you're going to know what it opens the the um the room for a dialogue and it it opens a line of communication between you and your children where they don't ever feel like they can't come to you to talk about anything and this leads into my next point so you want to create a safe place to share feelings so you want to let your children know that their feelings are important and it's okay so whether that's sadness, anger, confusion, like whatever emotion they're feeling, you want to help your kids to feel safe bringing it to you. Um, you want, um, so you can say something like, I feel sad right now and that's okay. Um, I won't always feel this way. This helps your kids to put things in perspective. Um, and it's okay. I feel like a lot of times adults hide their emotions from children. It's okay to show your children that you have emotions too. It's okay for them to see you cry. It's okay for them to see you angry. It's okay for them to see you sad, happy. Like you want to show them all the emotions. Therefore, you can be an example of how to handle those emotions for your children. Like, so they be like, they can see that you're handling your emotions. They can see that you're human. A lot of times when our, like when kids grow up, they might not even, they might then realize like, oh damn, my parents are human too. Like they have emotions, they have feelings. So it's important to open up that, open up the room and have those kind of, have a safe space for your children to feel and share emotions. Um, and if you feel like your kids are coming to you about race and racism and you don't have an answer, it's okay to not have answers. Like there's a lot of times my children will come to me about things and I'm like, I don't have an answer for that, but I can look it up or I can find an answer and I'll get back to you. Um, and other, so it says, what else can we do as a family in terms of like race and racisms? So you can do many things as a parent to raise compassionate kids who want to help others. Um, some things you can do as a family is befriend people who are different. Consider choosing a school, daycare, or a club with kids from other areas and different backgrounds. This way kids learn that they can find friends anywhere. Learn about cultures. That's an important one. Learn about people from other places and cultures, read books, watch movies, listen to music, and learn that about celebrations that aren't a part of your own traditions. And I feel like that's one of my favorite things to do. Like when I go to like different places or countries or whatever the case is, I always want to like soak up as much as I can learn about that place. I want to try all like the local foods. Like what is your local dish? What is like your 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 national dish or whatever the case is? Like I want to do it all because I want to learn about it. I think it's so interesting to learn about different cultures and different people because everybody has a story and I love to hear it. And the most important one that I feel like 
um, we all need to do is to speak up. When you see something that isn't fair, do something about it. Say something about it. Write a letter to con- like to whoever, your local um, representatives, like whatever the case is. Write a letter, create art that supports a cause or start one and encourage your kids to do the same. Talk as often as a family and do things to le- together to learn about and celebrate the differences between people. Um, I feel like all of these were very important points. And I know it could be like a lot of information, a lot of things being thrown at you, but I feel like with the world, the way the world is right now, like it's very important that our generation who are raising children, raise children to be empathetic, to be compassionate, and to care for others around them, regardless of what they may look like or what their beliefs may be, religious beliefs, like it's just important to be to help create a world where we can all thrive because the way the world is right now and the way it has been in the past like it's just it's just I don't even have the words all right let's get into this week something positive that has happened so again it was hard for me to find anything positive that happened like I'm not sure like I guess that tells you like the state of the world right now because it's hard it's like looking for a needle in a haystack trying to find some some good news to share with you guys so if like throughout the week if you come across anything that's positive whether it's in like your local community or worldwide or whatever the case is like you can send me a message on instagram at momsley podcast or you can email me like a link to an article or whatever at momsley podcast at gmail.com and i would greatly appreciate it because your girl is struggling trying to find good things to talk about So what I did find this week is that um, on Monday, Starbucks um, announced that they will cover travel for workers seeking abortions. So it says that they will pay, according to abcnews.go.com, it says that Starbucks will pay the travel expenses for U.S. employees to access abortion and gender confirmation procedures if those services aren't available within 100 miles of a worker's home. Um, Starbucks right now has about 240 U.S. Um, employees, but the company's in to say what percentage of them are enrolled in the um, um, company's healthcare plan. But hopefully it's a, a decent amount of people because it seems like the way this country is going, that it's going to be beneficial for a lot of people to at least have an employer who's willing to help with some of those, char- those uh, charges, payments, whatever. It also says that Amazon is going to cover up to $4,000 in travel and lodging expenses for employees seeking non-life-threatening medical medical treatments, including abortions and gender-confirming procedures, which is also so great. I'm just happy to see like these companies that we shop at and that we support are also supporting us and standing by us with, when things are a little bit crazy right now. Because like I mentioned in last week's podcast, if the Supreme Court decides to overrule the Roe v. Wade case, then it's going to be like almost half the country is going to be illegal to get an abortion. And it's going to be put it's going to put a lot of people at risk. Um, It's a scary, scary times that we're living in. Anyways, so I just wanted to touch on the fact that 
We are currently in the month of May, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month, in case you didn't know. And as I've mentioned before on the podcast, like um, I started therapy back in May um, because I was starting, I was suffering from, well, I am suffering with depression and anxiety, mostly anxiety. Um, and me decided to start uh therapy back in May was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Like mental health is something that I take very seriously. And with the climate of the world right now, I think it's very beneficial for all of us to check in on our mental health as much as we can. Like you don't have to wait until your life is in shambles to think that you need to go to therapy. Like it's something you can do even when you think things are good. It's like, you know, it's like preventative care. Like you go to the doctor every year just to make sure things are good. You don't go when, you know, things are like bad and you're trying to figure out how to fix it. You go to prevent things from happening. So you can also look at therapy the same way. Like I'm going to go to learn how to, you know, continue to live the life that I'm living in the way that I'm living in the great way. Learn some life skills. I don't know. But you can also, like I said, you can look at therapy as a preventative measure. Um, and I like to say that thanks to technology that we have today, you don't even have to leave your house to go to therapy. Like I go to therapy once a week and I don't leave my house. I open an app on my phone and I speak to my therapist for 30 minutes and I go about my day. Um, I just wanted to give you guys like a few websites or that you can like check out if like therapy is something that you want to do. Um, the few that I know that I can think of off the top of my head right now is BetterHelp, Cerebral, which is the one that I use. And um, therapyforblackgirls.com is a website that has like information on getting therapy. They also have ways to get affordable therapy if you can't afford to pay like some of the, if your insurance doesn't cover it or if you can't afford to pay out of pocket. Therapyforblackgirls.com is a great website with a lot of great resources. You can also check that out. Um, I guess I'll link these in the description. This is not an ad. I just wanted to spread some awareness since May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I kept saying that back in May I started therapy. I just want to clarify that it was actually back in March. Um, yeah. And another thing that I wanted to address when I was speaking about the um the shooting at the Tops grocery store, I just want to let you guys know that like if you are the type of person who likes to share, you know, uh, breaking news that you may see, like videos, news articles, whatever the case is. If you're going to send that to like people that you may know so that they're aware of like the things that are happening around us, you might want to put like a trigger warning before that person like opens said video or whatever the case is. There's been so many times over like the last few months, like somebody will text me something and I'll open it without, cause like there's no preview of what it is if it's like a video and I'll open it and it's something like really triggering. And recently um, someone had texted me a video of the shooting and I there was like no context. It was pretty much like, oh, did you see this? So I opened it and it was the guy, it was literally like his view of him shooting the people and like people's bodies were just dropping like flies. And I was very triggered because I'm like, I want, I don't want to see this. I don't like seeing stuff like that. Like it literally causes me anxiety. 
as someone who suffers with anxiety, the last thing I want to do is like, I know what's going on in the world, but it's like, it's one thing to know what's going on in the world. And then to see it happening, it's like, it was just too much for me. I didn't watch the whole video. And even like previously, a few months ago with the kid who fell out of the ride at Six Flags or wherever the amusement park was, and he died, the same thing happened. Someone sent the video and me not knowing what the video was, I opened the video um, so if you're one, I just want to put this out there, like, make sure you guys are like putting like trigger warnings or whatever the case is in your, if you're going to be spreading things like that, whether it's on social media or through text message or whatever the case is, because you don't know like what people are going through, what struggles they may have. You don't know if someone may be related to set to people that were involved in these in incidents. Like you just never know. So you just want to make sure that you put a trigger warning or just refrain from sharing these things. Like, why do we have to share these things? If I was to die in a, God forbid, I die in like some kind of traumatic way or whatever the case is, and it happens to be caught on video, the last thing I would want is for people to be sharing it on the internet, sharing it through text message. So just be mindful when you share things like that. I just wanted to just add that little tidbit in there real quick. Um, yeah, it's just, just put a little trigger warning so that people know whether or not they want to open this or at least tell me what the hell you send to me before I open it. I don't want to open it and then see what it is. Like, yeah, just wanted to put, let you guys know, just give you a little, you know, food for thought. Um, so before I go, I want to leave you guys with this week's weekly mantra. And this week's mantra is your perspective is unique. It's important and it counts. Your perspective is unique. It's important and it counts. Um, I chose this mantra this week because I feel like a lot of times like we may have like some self-doubts or, you know, we might think that our ideas or our, our creations or whatever the case is aren't good enough. And I'm here to tell you that it is. Don't listen to the negative voices in your head. Like your perspective is unique. It's important and it counts. Okay, so that wraps up this week's episode of Momsly. If you want to stay updated on all things Momsly, make sure you're following on Instagram at Momsly Podcast. That's M-O-M-S-L-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel at Momsly Podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave a rating and review, five stars preferably. Um, this helps with getting the podcast exposed to new listeners. Also, don't forget to share with a friend and I will chat with you next week. Bye.